Right, so Ecclesiastes chapter 7, I want you to notice in verse 1, it says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. And notice that last part, it's, you know, the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. Now, why is that? You know, usually when somebody is born, that's like a really happy day, isn't it? And, but the what day somebody dies is usually a very sad day, isn't it? But in reality, that day you die, I think what he's talking about here, the reason that's just kind of a better day or even more important is, you know, the, your, your death and how it is, it depends on the life that you lived. And, you know, the death of some people, I mean, really doesn't matter. I mean, it's probably good for the world <laughs> for some people. But then there's others. You know, it is. It is kind of a sad day, but it was because they had such a good life. And in reality, you can't do anything about the day that you're born, but you can do something about the day that you die. And we ought to be preparing for that. We ought to be living for that. And, you know, and I think one of the reasons births are so joyful is because you think, all right, this person's got a future. Hopefully wonderful things happen in their life. But, you know, you can't really know if that life is a success until the end, can you? And so really what I think he's trying to do in here is just show how the end is more important than the beginning. We see in verse 8, he says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So a lot of times, you know, people, they start things off good, but you know what? If you fail, if you quit, if you flop out, then, you know, who cares? And the, the important thing is, is that you finish right. And you've all heard preaching on that. You've heard talking about that. And I want to preach on this because, again, you know, this is 10 years that we've been here now. And it's often said, I've heard statements along this line that, you know, success or faithfulness even. Faithfulness is not measured in years, but in decades. Anybody ever heard that or some form of statement like that? And usually when somebody brings that up, they're just trying to emphasize the fact that, you know, to prove something, for something to be real, right, what it is, it takes a long time. And, you know, a good marriage, you know, is not measured in years, but decades, because it's supposed to be. Till death do you part, right? So if you know when you have those decades behind you, that is that's a really good testimony. It's a really good thing. A lot of people have a really good marriage for three or four years, but then it flops out, and that's not a successful marriage. That's a failure of a marriage. So either way, what we can get from this is we should always be thinking about the end of a thing. We should always be thinking long term. We should always, anytime we start something, we should have some kind of end game in mind, and we should have a plan. And a goal to do things, you know, for the long haul. But you know, today we're living in a world where everyone wants to find a way to bypass waiting on things or gaining experience for something. You know, we all want that high-paying job, but we don't want to work our way up in the company. You know, we just want it just like that. You know, everybody wants things like that. There's a lot of people they want to go in the ministry. But, you know, they just want somebody to hand them a, a position. They want to hand them a title. Oh, and by the way, too, they want somebody to just hand them a salary, too. And they just think they deserve all these things. They think because they went to Bible college that they're just, they should expect the church to give them a full-time salary before they even think about taking that church. And I think that's pretty ridiculous expectation, if you, if you ask me. But that's just my opinion. But I think thanks to the Internet, it's easy to give people the illusion of some kind of success, especially when success wasn't even really earned. Because, you know, again, everybody's trying to find the fast way to get there, right? You know, every kid out there is trying to figure out how to 
make money playing video games. You know why? Because there's a couple people out there that have made a lot of money playing video games. You got people out there that make a ton of money just making YouTube videos. And I just, I look at these people sometimes. My kids have watched some of these videos. Mr. Beast, how is that guy so rich? Anybody know who he is? I look at that and I see how rich he is and I see just, he, he looks like a loser. You know, I mean, and, and maybe it's supposed to be that way, but it's like, I'm getting, I'm getting teenagers mad at me in here. But you know, I'd be in trouble because if I hadn't ever seen his videos, I'd have seen him out in public. You know, I'd have probably just treated him like any other brain dead, you know, person out there. And then I'd probably lost a chance to have thousands of dollars given to me or something like that. And, and you know, so the thing is, you look at that and then you got a bunch of just good for nothings that are out there and they see him making millions of dollars making videos and they think, I could do that too. And it's like, no, you couldn't. Okay, I mean, because when you stop and think about it, how many people are out there trying to make money playing video games? Only a few actually make it, don't they? It's the same thing too, as all these, you know, kids that go to high school and stuff and they think, I'm going to play basketball and I'm going to go to the NBA and I'm going to make millions of dollars. No, chances are you're not going to. There are the exceptional people out there. The ones that we see on TV all the time, these people are the exceptions. They are not the rule. They are not the average Joe. They are not the common man. Yes, there's always the one story of the guy who came from the slums and came from the ghetto and, you know, played street ball and just developed the skill and, you know, is it now in the NBA? And let me tell you, they sign those guys up and they give these guys extra training and they do all these things because everybody loves an inspirational story. Everybody loves that. That's not real either. It's just, it's not going to happen to you. You're not going to be... Chances are you're not going to be that person. And so there are, because there there's many exceptional people out there and they're successful for that very reason. They are exceptional. They are different. They are not the normal person. But you know, the truth is most of us here in real life land, we should probably be following more normal, regular people because that's what most of us are. All right, let's just face it. Okay. Most of us in here, we're not geniuses. Most of us in here, we're not these super, you know, charismatic types. You know, we're not, you know, the most intelligent. You know, most of us in here, if you want to be a pastor someday, you know, it's okay for you to, you know, look to other people and admire things that they're good at. But chances are that exceptional person, that famous preacher that's out there, chances are you're not going to be that guy. You're going to be average Joe. You're going to be, you know, regular pastor that's out there. And the truth is that's what most of us should be following and trying to reproduce because these other people are the exceptions you know and you've heard me talk about this before how i think one of the things that's hurting baptist churches is everybody's always going to the mega church preacher to figure out how to run their regular size church it's like those guys are the exception you know some of those guys they are they're amazing individuals they're very talented in certain areas you know they a lot of times they have special circumstances that got them to where they were that's not going to be you you need to go talk to the guy. You need to go to the conference that's in Podunk Collar Church, you know, to the regular size church. You need to go talk to that guy. You need to go learn from that guy because chances are that's what you're going to do. That's what God's going to use you for. But most people today, because they're, you know, they're just following what they're seeing on the internet. They're following the TV preacher. They're following the famous. They're following the exceptions instead of just the, the rule, I guess you could say, the regular people and so we're constantly seeing this too where somebody comes along they make a lot of noise and they're kind of like a firework christian and basically you know they get a lot of attention in their takeoff they explode 
Everybody oozing ahs, but then they fizzle out and are gone in seconds. And that's how it is for a lot of people. They get involved in the ministry and they make a bunch of noise. They get a whole bunch of attention, but you know what they do? They burn out. A lot of times they burn out and they quit. Sometimes they get in trouble. They get caught up in sin. They get nailed in some kind of scandal and then they're just done. You never hear from them again. And sadly, though, most people today are following that type of Christian and that's just a bad idea. That is not going to work for pretty much all of us. And so these types of people that I want to talk about tonight, I want to make sure we don't have any of these in here that you're not this way. I, I, I don't know what better to call them than just proud fools. And a fool, you know, somebody who's just ignorant, somebody who's just dumb, who makes foolish choices, does foolish things. But at the same time, they have great pride at the same time, too. And let me tell you something about these, you know, proud fools. They are often people who those who have some years of experience under their belt often watch with disgust and sadness because they know what's going to happen to them. Now, I'm not saying I'm there yet. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now. But, you know, as I get older, you kind of start seeing and understanding why some of the older preachers behave the way that they do about certain things. And basically, I think a good way to illustrate it is in Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7 in verse 6. This is Solomon speaking here. And he says, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Now, how did he know this all about him by looking at him? Well, Solomon's been around for a while and Solomon was a very wise man. He could look and based on behavior, you know, based on where he was, based on the time he was there, he was able to look at this guy and say, this guy hasn't got a clue what he's doing. But let me tell you about this guy. He was doing what he wanted to do and he was excited about what he was doing and he was about to get exactly what he wanted. He was about to get exactly what he wanted, but Solomon, being somebody who's been around and who's seen a few things, he's looking at this young fool and he's thinking, he's in trouble. And you know, often I've read this story too, and I thought, you know, why didn't Solomon just start yelling out the window at him? I mean, he was the king, right? You know, he could have, you know, maybe he could have stopped him. He'd have had some influence. But here's the thing that I've learned too about what I've seen about these proud fools. You can't stop them. And you know what? People with wisdom know that. People with wisdom, they understand it. And a lot of times they just sit there and they watch. You know, just like you're about to watch it, you know, they're just waiting for the train wreck. They know it's going to happen, but they know there's, there's nothing you can do. And so they just kind of watch with sadness. And pretty much what I think they try to do is they just try to point other people to it and say, did you see that? This is why you don't do that kind of thing. This is why this is wrong. But often you can't help these people. But look what it says. It says, he was void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner. He went the way to her house. Now, he understands. You don't even want to go there, okay? And we're not going to go through this whole thing, but you know the story about how she goes and basically seduces this guy and basically forces him to commit a sin. And notice what Solomon says in verse 22. He says, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Notice how he's getting the attention of everyone else. He didn't try talking to this guy. He didn't try helping this guy out. He knows he can't help this guy. 
Just by watching his actions and seeing what he's doing, he's able to say, there's no help in this guy. But you know what? My children, everyone else, look and learn is what he's saying right here. He said, let not thine heart uh, go decline to her ways. Go not astray in her path, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. And we'll go back to the story and show you why this man was a typical proud fool. We'll show you something in there that's uh, very obvious that we see throughout the Bible and it talks about these type of people. But Solomon, he did, he's, he's looking and he just, he knows what's coming. He's just able to watch and he's like, this, this is going to be bad. I can tell by looking at this guy, he's too stupid to know what he's heading for. I know who lives down that street. She's going to get him. She's going to get, and, and here's the thing. While Solomon is watching this man destroy his life, understand this, that man was having a good time. While he is ruining, in the process of ruining his life, he is as happy as could be. Now, he doesn't realize, and he probably he didn't realize that night, he probably didn't realize the next day what he had done to himself by committing this sin, by going to this woman. But I guarantee you, years later, he regretted it. Years later, everything that Solomon said, it happened to him. But notice how Solomon knew it way ahead of time. Well, this guy is having a great time. You know what he is? He's, he's a proud fool. It would be, and it's kind of like, and I used this illustration the other night, you know, that cow that they're taking to the butcher to be killed, you know, once you see him in there, we all see him as dead cow walking. I mean, we know he's going to die. And, you know, and we don't really feel sorry for him because we know we're going to eat him later on. But at the same time, we see those things getting hauled off to the butcher shop. We know what's going to happen to him. And even though they're not dead yet, we see them as dead. But understand while they're driving there, as long as they're chewing on something, they're happy. Everything's great. And until they finally get nailed, then all of a sudden, you know, they're not happy anymore because they're dead and he say you know why don't they seem to care because they're just dumb animals and there's people out there who are literally headed for destruction anyone with any eyes and experience can see it and you know you can watch and say you know and you can scream all you want and try to stop them but it's not going to do anything you know why because they're a fool just like you can you can you can warn the cow and tell them what the butcher's going to do and you don't care. It, it, you can show them pictures of the last cow that went there. You can eat a hamburger in front of them to prove that you're telling the truth. This is your mom. And, and it, don't, it doesn't care. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people out there, and we do, and, and you've seen it too. You've been, if you've been around for any length of time, you've seen enough things where you know these people are in trouble and they don't even know it, and they're thrilled to death while they're on this path to destruction. These are proud these are proud fools and so how can you avoid being that proud fool because the reason i'm focusing on that too is with these with these kind of fools they are so full of themselves and i think sometimes i think that's why solomon didn't say anything because we all hate arrogant people don't we and so when somebody's already an idiot but they you know but sometimes you feel sorry for them because they just they're dumb and they don't know any better but when they're an idiot and they're arrogant Sometimes you kind of want it to happen, don't you? And so sometimes you think, you know, maybe Solomon, he, you know, he just, fine, you know, you, you want to see it to happen to some people. But I don't know, I might, I might be reading into that too much. But here's, the, here's how you can avoid being that person. Because if you're not careful, you know, we all have hopes, we all have ambitions. And if we're not careful, we can fall into some of these traps. And so watch out for the people 
who let victories go to their head. Watch out for that. Look what it says in Proverbs 16, 18. We all know this passage, but it says, Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Now understand, dividing the spoil, you know what that means? That means you just defeated somebody. Dividing the spoil means you just won. You just won a battle. You just got a whole bunch of loot from that and you're dividing the spoil up amongst your friends. I mean, it's payday in a good way. Dividing the spoil is a good thing at the moment, but the problem is if you're doing that with pride, you're still going to be destroyed later on. Great, you won this battle. Great, you did this good thing, but you're a proud, arrogant fool. Destruction is coming your way. You would be better off being with the lowly. You'd be better off being humble you know, with the lowly, with the ones who lost than you would being in that situation because you know what? The humble, they can be exalted. They can be lifted up. They can survive, but you are going to be destroyed. And you know, there's a lot of people out there. They get a few victories under their belt. They accomplish a few things and all of a sudden they get lifted up with pride. You see that with preachers. They start a church and maybe things take off. They have a good start and all of a sudden they get lifted up with pride. They're dividing the spoil. You know, they're stealing all the people from the other churches that are in town. And they're like, hey, you know, we're winning. We're victorious. Our church is doing great. Our church is doing good. And they get lifted up and arrogant. And you know what ends up happening? People that have been around for a while, they look at these churches and they see this stuff and they think, I know that guy. Sometimes you feel like Solomon and it's like you're looking through a window. Now it's through YouTube, you know, or through, through social media. And you're looking at these things and you're seeing all this stuff and it's just like, I know where he's going. I see the direction that he's going. I know who he's following after. I know where this leads. I've seen this before, but you know, the thing is when it comes to people like that, usually you can't say anything. And you know, and that's how it is with a lot of older preachers too. You know, when they see this stuff, they do, they just get frustrated. And usually what they do, they'll get up in a meeting or a conference or something and they lament all the young guys following the trendies, going liberal, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and so I used to think, well, why don't you, you know, why are you telling everybody else? Everybody else that's here. The people that are here are obviously still in the old paths. You know, the people that are here are doing the right thing. Why are you talking to these people that are here? Why don't you go tell that to the people that are out there? You know what? Now that I've been around for a while, I think I know why. Because the people that are out there, they know better and they know they're not going to listen. They know it would be casting their pearls before swine. And they're doing like Solomon did. He sees all this, but what does he do? He writes about it and he tells everyone else about it. He tells those who still have hope. He tells those who haven't gone that way yet because he understands these are proud fools. And you know what? I'm just, the longer I live, the less I'm surprised by things. It's amazing how predictable some people are. And pride is one of the quickest ways to destroy yourself. And a lot of times too, people get discouraged when they see, you know, when they see people being wicked and yet, they seem to be dividing the spoil. You see people being wicked, yet they seem to be having fun and happy and successful. You know what you're seeing is you're looking at a proud fool right there. These fools that are headed for destruction are happy all the way until destruction. And you know what you just got to do is just, you just got to sit back and just watch, just wait. And a lot of times we get this attitude, well, I want to see him destroy tomorrow. Well, 
eventually you're going to get to a point in your life where you're not even going to feel that way anymore because you're so sure it's going to happen. You're so sure that God's going to nail him. It doesn't matter when. It's going to happen. You know, there, there's no doubt about it. You know, the man, uh, or James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So, when, so once you get lifted up with pride, God's working against you now. God's setting you up for destruction. And it's, that's not a place you want to be. And the man with experience, you know, he can see the real reason for people's success sometimes. You know, there's often things that, and this is something I've learned too, being involved in the preacher world my whole life. One thing I've learned is that preachers rarely give cre- the credit to the right place for their success. So, for example, you know, they build some great work or something like that. You know, they act like they got it through soul winning. They got it through just, you know, preaching the book and being faithful. But the truth is, somebody won the lottery in their church or a millionaire died and you left them a bunch of money, you know, or, or they split another church in town. Nobody's ever got up and said, you know, the reason our church has grown so much, the reason God's blessed our church so much is because we were just being pathetic, doing nothing, being lazy one day. But one day a preacher across town was started preaching the book like you're supposed to and he ran off all the losers in his church and they just filled up ours now. Yeah. They don't, nobody's ever done that before. No, nobody's, I talked to a pastor here in town not long after we had started our church and, you know, we'd been going for like maybe a year and, you know, we had like 25 people and, and they had been going for about a year and they were running like 180. And I was just like, man, you know, and I was like, you know, and I, I'm kind of asking him some questions and, you know, he's just acting like they started the church and it just took off. Come to find out, he split a church in town, you know, took almost 200 people with him. He didn't build the church like we did. You know, preachers rarely give the real credit where it belongs. They tell you all the things that you're supposed to, and then they do. And then these guys, they're the ones that get up and preach at the conferences on how to build a church. And then everybody follows them, and it doesn't work for anybody. Well, because what they're preaching, they didn't even do. So, you know, don't don't follow that. You know, that's that's not that's not the way to go. But... You know, sometimes two people, sometimes luck is a contributing factor. I mean, sometimes you're just in a good place. Sometimes I've seen it too, where guys have started churches that took off and then, and then, you know, I talk to them and you start to find out, but they, they all tell the story like they just went soul winning and just started filling their church up. That, that's what they do. But one church in particular I knew of, I started talking to the pastor and I found out, no, it wasn't actually through soul winning like he made it sound like in the conference he was preaching at. He had actually started a church, but then they merged with another church that was in town. And then they got a bunch of people, building, money, all this stuff. And it's like, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it gives an illusion of a success that they didn't really have. So um, understand, people are always, often the ones that people are trying to follow are ones that didn't really do it the way they're saying that they did it. And you can't really trust preachers. I mean, if you want to ask me, you know, how we got to where we are today, I'm going to tell you all good stuff too. And, you know, but somebody else that doesn't like me might have another story about how it's done. At the end of the day, you know, we, you know, it's not, it's not about us. It's God that builds the church. And, you know, we need to start just giving him the glory for it. You know, we, cause we made more mistakes probably than what we did right. But, uh, so turn over to Acts chapter five. So people who 
You know, watch out for people who let victories go to their head. Listen, if God gives you a victory, just thank God for it. We've been going through the book of Joshua. There's no doubt who gets credit for all those victories. God got credit for all those victories. Yes, Joshua had a pretty good plan in the one where they attacked the city and they pretended they were retreating and then they sent another group in. You know, that, that's a pretty good battle plan. But you know what? The Bible had already proved, God had already proved that their successes and their victories were all because of him. God had already proved that. And anybody can go through the book of Joshua and thinks that he gets credit for any of the victories, they're reading a different book of Joshua because there's no doubt God got all the glory. And you know what's happening in a lot of places? People are going there looking at what's going on in churches and they're giving the preacher all the glory. They're giving somebody all the glory that doesn't deserve it. No, it's God that deserves the glory in these things. And you know what? It's dangerous when God gives you victories, when God does great things, and then you let it go to your head. And you get arrogant about it. At the same time, that is the worst thing you could possibly do is to get arrogant about it. I think God would be furious at me if I talked to some other church that you know just hit their 10th anniversary and then I started comparing myself and thinking, man, there must be something wrong with them because they're not where we're at. I mean, God's going to slap me upside the head because you know what? It's God that blessed. It's God that got us where we're at. And we don't want to ever forget that. And you're a fool to get lifted up with pride. Because God's accomplished a few things. You're a fool if you go and you get some people saved and then you start giving yourself the credit for us because I'm a really good soul winner. No, you, you better hope it was the Holy Spirit that helped you do that. Because if the Holy Spirit's not involved and you're preaching the gospel, nobody's going to get saved, folks. You don't get them saved by yourself. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. And you better just stay humble. And if you stay humble, you know what? The Holy Spirit will probably keep using you. But boy, as soon as you get lifted up with pride, you're on your own. God's working against you at that point. And that is just, that is a very foolish thing to do is to just take God's credit for anything. So watch out also for people who like to talk about themselves and always have to tell everyone how great they are. And now, at, turn, Acts chapter 5 and verse 34 says, And there stood up in the council a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said to them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves. What ye intend to do is touching these men. For before these days rose up Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody. And now, people have often questioned whether or not this you know, uh, advice he gave, whether it was of the Lord, because... I mean, obviously he wasn't even saved, so how can what he be saying be true? You shouldn't use this for doctrine. Listen, God's not necessarily using this passage here for doctrine. You know what this was? This was a man who, who obviously was not saved, but still had some life experience and some wisdom. Okay? Did you know you can be unsaved and still have some wisdom? You can still have some life experience and be able to spot people that are going to make it in life and people that are going to fail. You can be lost and figure that out. There's some, there's some uh, lost wise people that are out there. And so he mentions, you know, remember that guy that came along boasting himself that he was somebody. He's like, you know what happened to him? He was gone. He ended up going away. It says, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. We remember what happened to them. And so he's saying, maybe that's what these guys are. If that's what they are, it will be manifest. And so he was content with, you know what? We don't need to figure it out right now. Let's leave them alone and let them, let them do their thing. If it's of God, let's get out of the way. If it's not of God, they'll fall apart. This was just wisdom talking. This was experience. 
After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Now, I kind of like the sound of that guy because it sounds like he was fighting the taxing that was going on. But it looked like the Romans won that battle. Let me tell you, somebody comes along and wants to fight the IRS. I'm going to be for that guy, but he'll probably lose. And God's probably not going to be in it, you know, so I'm not going to do it. But, you know, he's going to say, hey, these guys, people like this, they come and they go if it's not the real thing. Uh, it says, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this works be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Let's happily be found to fight against God. So he's just speaking from experience here. He's saying, hey, we've seen this type of thing. If it's And, and he mentions specifically somebody boasting himself. And let me tell you, when somebody comes along, some of these preachers out there just want to brag on themselves all the time. When you've got to get up and tell people, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I don't see him doing that in the Bible when they were full of the Holy Ghost. You know what I see in the Bible when they were full of the Holy Ghost? Great things were happening. People were getting saved. They weren't. They weren't pointing themselves. Did you know that the Holy Ghost doesn't point to himself? He points to Jesus Christ. Did you know the Holy Ghost doesn't point to you? So you're full of the Holy Ghost and talking about yourself? I don't think you're full of the Holy Ghost. You know what I think you are? I think you're a braggart. I think you're lifted up with pride. I think you're a fool who's going to go down. No, I'm not. Oh, yeah, the fool never thinks that. No, I'm going to do great things. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to accomplish that. I'm doing all these wonderful things for God. Look at all the works that I'm doing. Look at my many wonderful works. We read about a guy like that in the Sermon on the Mount, don't we? These people never make it. They don't last. And so, you know, whenever someone has to tell you these things, it's probably because they aren't. And a good way to spot a fool is to watch the guy talking about himself all the time. Right? Now, I want to show you something here because you call somebody out on, you know, for talking about themselves. There's always something, an example in the Bible that they can point to. Paul talked about himself. You know, you can justify any bad action you do by finding an example of somebody doing something. But let me show you something when Paul talked about himself because this is what people don't realize. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In verse 16, because remember, we're talking about fools. We're talking about fools that are heading for destruction. That's, that is where they are. And the type of fools we're talking about are arrogant ones. You can be a foolish person, a person and have hope if you have a little humility, because you know what? God can get that foolishness from you. You don't have to end a fool, but when you have pride, that's probably, you're, you're, you're going to go down. There's no doubt about it. But in 2 Corinthians 11:16, it says, I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. Now, what's going on here? Did Paul just defeat my doctrine? Watch out for the guy who talks about himself. No, I'm telling you, the guy who has to talk about himself all the time is a proud fool. Okay? He's a proud fool. I've gone to conferences, too, where the preachers, the whole time, all they do is talk about themselves. That is the most frustrating thing in the world. It's like that's what you're supposed to do when you go to a conference is you got to let everybody know why you got to speak at that conference and so you just talk about yourself the whole time. I hate, I, there's nothing more frustrating than wasting your time traveling to a conference to listen to a guy talk about himself. And I've done that many times. But notice, okay, this isn't Paul justifying talking about himself. Now, sometimes there may, you know, you might want to tell a story about yourself, give an illustration. You, there, there's going to be situations sometimes where it might call for you 
giving your testimony, talking about yourself. And the Apostle Paul was in a situation like that where it was necessary for him to talk about himself. But the Apostle Paul was self-aware enough. He was socially aware enough that the fact that he had to talk about himself was risking making him look like a fool. Now, why did, was that going to do that? Because that's a good sign you're a fool when you're bragging about yourself. So again, Paul needed to talk about what he was doing, but he was very aware that this could make me look foolish. And so he's telling people to bear with him. He's, he keeps saying this over and over again. We're fooling themselves a fool. And he says, that which I speak, I speak not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many may glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly. Hey, you let the fools brag on themselves. You know what? Let me do it for a minute. Okay, so a situation called for him to talk about himself, but he is very, it is very clear. Paul knows this looks foolish doing this because this is what fools do. They brag about themselves. And so he's like, I'm about to do this and you're going to want to cut me off because it looks foolish. But you know what? You let the fools do it all the time. So give me a chance to get away with it for a minute. That's what he's saying right here. So I'm just, I'm using this so somebody can't run to Paul. Paul talks about himself. Yeah, but at least Paul threw some disclaimers in there because he realized this is going to make him look stupid or had the potential to. And he was worried about it. Most people out there want to brag about themselves all the time. I mean, not only are they enjoying it, they think everybody else is enjoying it too. Paul was worried he was going to turn these people off by doing it. So he's acknowledging the foolishness here. And so he says, For ye, um, Suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. For ye suffer... If any man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whensoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. And you're a lot of preachers, I'm bold. You know, I'm not afraid. But you know what, Paul, yes. And you know what, you, you, you say I'm bragging? Apostle Paul said I am bold. Yeah, but he also said, I speak foolishly. When Paul started talking about himself, he's like, I speak foolishly. Yes, a situation came. He needed to talk about himself to prove something, to teach these people something. But he was, he was very concerned about turning these people away because fools talk about themselves. Fools brag about themselves. And so he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. I'm better than they are. Oh, you say you shouldn't brag like that. Apostle Paul said, I am more. Yes, but he also said, I speak as a fool. He didn't stand up there like a pompous jerk, you know, acting like he was really something. He wasn't pounding his chest. He was trying to explain something to these people. He wasn't trying to exalt himself. And he was very concerned about how this looked. And so he says, uh, I am more in labors more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequent and deaths off. And he goes on, we're not going to go through it. And he just names off all these things he went through, all these things that he suffered. But then he says in verse 29, who is weak? And uh, I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If must, if, if I must needs glory, which means basically brag or boast, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. So what the Apostle Paul was basically saying here, 
All these things. Paul risked looking like a fool, talking like himself. Paul risked looking like a fool, acting like a Baptist preacher at a conference, talking about himself, saying all these things about himself. He risked looking like a fool to kind of illustrate something to him that, you know what, if we're going to brag about something, if we're going to glory in something, say, here's what I'm going to glory in. I'm going to glory in my infirmities. And here's why. Because it's in our weakness where God's strength is made perfect. God's strength is made perfect in weakness. When we are weak, He is strong. When we get out of the way, God does great things. When we have struggles, when we have disabilities, when we have things working against us, you know what it does? It makes us depend more on Christ. And so the Apostle Paul said, if I'm going to glory, I'm glorying in my infirmities. Because this isn't about me. Because you know what? The Apostle Paul actually did have a humble attitude. And so Paul acted like a Baptist preacher at a camp meeting right here, bragging on himself so he could make a point to show him, here's what you should be talking about. You should talk about your weaknesses. Why would we do that? If we're talking, because if if it's about, if if we're pointing people to our weaknesses when we're accomplishing great things, You know what that's going to do? It's going to cause them to give God the glory. And isn't that exactly what's supposed to happen? But you know, you don't see that from that proud fool. That proud fool, he's too lifted up with himself. And so, um, it is a huge mark of someone heading for destruction when they constantly talk about themselves. And so, uh, the proud fool is also easily manipulated by flattery because he believes what the people are saying. Now, turn back to Proverbs 7. This is that young man void of understanding that Solomon was watching. And notice how she got him. Notice how she got him to do something that was going to ruin his life. Verse 13 says, So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. With her much fair speech she caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Now, you say, how did that work? Well, I think us men ought to understand this, okay? You know, there's a lot of guys out there that are young who think that any woman would be lucky to have them. They think that, I mean, just, you know, every woman wants them. You know, they're, they, they think every woman is just impressed with their biceps as they are. And they just think they're going to go out and these beautiful women are just going to come after them and, and just want them. And so the thing is, there's people out there that are very manipulative and they can see that. They can see that arrogance and they know how to prey on that and they know how to use that. And so she, you know, she's able to come along and she's able to do what he thinks you know, every woman would probably want to do. And so she's coming, she's saying all these great things to him. He's like, well... That's what I've been thinking the whole time. You know, finally somebody's recognized this. Finally somebody's noticed this. And so she didn't think that either. She's using him. And he's going to be destroyed because of this. And you want to know what gets preachers in trouble a lot of times is people do. They start laying the flattery on him and they believe it because they do think they're the greatest preacher in the world. They do think they're the greatest thing that ever happened to Christianity. They do think they're the only one standing for truth. They're the only one that's actually saved and teaching salvation right. They really do think they're the best at everything. And you do, you have people that say these things. And often, if you believe those things yourself, you know what you're going to do? You're going, you're going to fall for this, the flattery. They're throwing your weight. You know what it's going to do? It's going to get you in trouble. And let me tell you, Watch out for that guy that believes the flattery. And wicked people, flatter, flattering is a very wicked thing to do. 
Wicked people often use flattery, but you know what? It's also fools who fall for it. Fools who fall for that. They see the things, they listen to things people say, they believe the emails that people send them, they believe the comments that they leave on their sermons on YouTube, they believe those things. And you know what? People with wisdom are able to look at that and they're able to see, man, they're just trying to use you. And some of you have seen that too because we've seen the people. I mean, so if you've all been around here very long, you've seen the people that were leaving all the flattering comments on here that are now like leaving all the flattering comments on the enemy's videos and things. What happened? They're, they're just flatterers. Now, you know, when they were flattering us, we didn't believe it, did we? You know, we, we, had, you know, we had the one that you know, thought we were great until somebody preached against us and then all of a sudden she goes along with them and now she's trying to act like she got away from that and she's, you know, gone to another thing and it's just, you know, they're all, all over the place but everywhere she goes, flattery, flattery, flattery. And you know what? If anyone is ever dumb enough to fall for her flattery, they're going to get in trouble because it's just a way to use people but, you know, it didn't work here because... When they were saying all these great things about our church, we didn't believe it. You know, we think we're a great church, but we don't think we're that great. It's like, I mean, come on, you know, we are, we're a good church, but we're not, we're not that great. Right, just chill out, okay? Just chill out. You know, don't call me one of America's greatest pastors, okay? I, I've already been put on that list once, got knocked off it just as fast as I got put on it. And it was, it, I mean, I, I literally, you know, and my wife was there, I laughed out loud when I saw it. I think some people saw that and was like, yeah. No, you're a fool, man. You're, you're, you're a fool to think that. So watch out. You know, watch out for that. You know, when somebody's boasting in their future, when people get up talking about all the great things that they're going to do, okay, that, that's a red flag. Look what it says in James chapter 4 and verse 13. Now, there, listen, there's nothing wrong with having a vision and having a goal. This morning we talked about great things that we want to do in the next 10 years. But you know what? There's a way we got to, we, we got to look at that. There's a way we should say that. It says in James 4.13, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. We've got all these plans. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to accomplish. This is what, hey, whereas ye know not what shall be in the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time that vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. So right here we see, if you just have this attitude, I'm going to go do this, we're going to do this. We go, our church, we're going to be the biggest church in Rock Falls in the next 10 years. We're going to get this many people saved. We're going to start this many churches. We're going to do all these things because we're just, we are the best church in this area. Nobody preaches the gospel as clear as we do. Nobody people has as many people out souling as we do. And then we'll find all the things that we're good at where we actually are the best. And we'll make sure those are the rules and those are the things we focus on to make you the best church. You know, we'll set up a scenario that can only work for our church. And then we'll declare ourselves the greatest. But is what people often do. Hey, listen, that kind of boasting is evil. You know what? Our attitude ought to be, if the Lord will. If the Lord will, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get some churches started. If the Lord wills, we're going to grow. If, the Lord, if it's the Lord's will, we're going, to, you know, we're going to get that Spanish ministry going. If it's the Lord's will, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. If it's the Lord's will. Why are we saying that? Because we understand God's got to be behind it if it's going to work. We can't get it done by ourselves. We, and so, that all, if we're boasting in things that haven't happened yet, like it's going to happen, you know, that's not a good thing. 
that kind of thing is is evil. God might have different plans. You know, I mean, we were all pretty excited at the beginning of 2020. I mean, Acts 2020, right? Every door. I mean, that was going to be the year. That was going to be the year. And a lot of stuff happened in 2020. You know, a lot of people, they used to really brag about how they would never take a vaccine until they start mandating them. And all of a sudden, now, well, let's change things up a little bit. Oh, well, you know, we'll never shut church down. But then the government says to, and then it's like, well, you know, let's, let's change the rules a little bit. You know, it's real easy to brag about all the things that we're, we think we'll probably never have to face. That, that we're all good at that. You know, you try to tell me I got a, you know, I'd rather get my head cut off than compromise. But, you know, you'd rather compromise than have the police come put a note on your door. I mean, that, you know, that, that's all there is to it. You know, I would never miss church for this, but I mean, you'll miss church for a ball game. And we do. We say all these things. Well, you know, if they ever tell me, you know, like they did in the old days, if I, you know, don't renounce Christ, they're going to feed my family to the lions. I still wouldn't do it. Well, we, we know we're probably not going to get fed to the lions anytime soon. So it's easy to say that. But, you know, what if they tell you, you know, you can't go to church? What if they tell you you have to take the vaccine and all that kind of stuff? I mean, are you, you know... We, we're always bragging about these things we'll never do because we're pretty sure we'll never be faced with it. And you know what? That's why you shouldn't just say, say that stuff. You know what? Don't get up. Guys, when you get up to preach, don't get up and say, I'll never do whatever. Don't, don't do that. First off, that doesn't prove anything. Y'all understand that? I'll never compromise. I'll never let my wife wear whatever. I'll never go watch this. I'll never. Don't, don't do that kind of stuff. That doesn't prove anything. And you know what you're doing? You're making a vow in the house of God. And if you break it, you're committing great sin. So you know what? Just don't make the sacrifice of fools. Just shut up. Stop bragging about all the things you're never going to do. Stop bragging about all the compromise you're never going to do. How, how does that prove anything when you're preaching something? I'll never compromise. What? How does that, what, what did you just prove? What did I just learn from the Bible when you said I'll never compromise? Yeah, I'm not saying I've never done it before. But you know, after you see a few people make a fool of themselves, you start saying, yeah, I probably ought to reflect on this and maybe, maybe we're going to stuff. But honestly, what does that prove? I'll never compromise. Well, am, am I up here preaching the Word of God? Am I telling you what the Bible says? Or am I just trying to brag on how I'll never compromise? Isn't that kind of speaking as a fool? Maybe we ought to watch out for that. Maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to be a little bit humble. Maybe we ought to have a little bit of meekness. And let me tell you something. This in this last year, when a lot of churches have had to take some very strong stands, you know who I've been most impressed with that's taken the strongest stands are people who weren't running their mouth. People who before stuff happened weren't out there declaring all the things that they would never do and they would never give in for. They were just serving the Lord. And then things came and they did the right thing in a big way. And God exalted them and they, they were able to make a difference. But people that were beating their chest, they're hiding in a corner. It's interesting. It's interesting how that works. You know why? Because that person talking about themselves, that is foolish. They're a fool and an arrogant one at the same time. You know, there's hope for a fool, but there isn't for an arrogant fool. There's no hope for that proud fool. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Well, I could change tomorrow. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't say too much about the vaccine because they might come tomorrow and put a gun to my head. You know, which, which kind of shot do you want? One of lead or whatever the stuff they put in that one. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I, 
Listen, be careful proclaiming what you'll never do, folks. Be careful with that. You're just going to get yourself in trouble. I like Now, I don't know that these Proverbs are necessarily connected right here. But what's interesting is the very next proverb after boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what day may bring forth, he says, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. You know, you don't need to be singing your own praises. Let somebody else do it. And it doesn't count if you pay somebody to do it. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't count if you, hey, you praise me and I'll praise you. I don't want to get up and talk about myself in the sermon tonight because I heard Pastor Tommy's sermon about that. So, you know, you, preach, you talk about me, you name drop me in your sermon, talk about all the great things I've done. And when I preach, I'll talk about all the great things you've done. All right? We'll scratch each other's back. No, that, that doesn't count. All right? That, that, that doesn't work. And so, you know, the key to success is patience. Okay? Yet most people today, they're trying to bypass all the avenues that require patience. And you know what? Patience is one of the key traits that God puts in our lives. It's one of the most needed things, and it's always lacking in the proud fool that's headed for destruction. And that's why you've got all these young people pursuing these crazy things as a way of making money. They, they don't want to do the hard work. They don't want to go get the education. They don't want to work their way up somewhere. They don't want to work for anything. They want to hand it to them. You see it too, even with church planners a lot of times. They're, all, they're doing it too quick. They're getting in before they're ready. They're not doing the training. They're not getting ready. They haven't proved themselves in anything and they just they, they get it too soon and you know what they do? They crash and they burn. Man, be patient. It, it's, it's hard sometimes. But you know, I'm thankful that I had 10 years in the ministry before I became a pastor. And you know, if you'd asked me when I was 21, 22 if I was ready to pastor, I'd probably be like, yeah. You know, I, 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 probably, I, I probably did, but you know what? I wasn't. And I think I, think I had enough character that if God would have had me pastoring at a younger age, I think I'd have stayed faithful. I think I would have eventually been okay. But I think it would have been a really rough road. you know. And I think it was better waiting. I really do. I, I, I really feel that way. And I've got a bunch of verses up here on patience. I'm not going to take time to go into those. But patience, when you look up passages about it in the Bible, often you'll see the reason patience is so important is because it produces other characteristics in your life that are very needed to help you get through things. And let me tell you something. If you're going to make it ministry, you got to have patience. And guess what? You don't get patience just by snapping a finger. You don't get patience from watching a YouTube video. You don't get patience from a leadership lesson that we do here at the church or for one sermon. Patience, that's something that comes over time. It comes through faithfulness, being committed to something. It comes through you know being humble, waiting on God, de- dealing with stuff you don't want to deal with. There's so much that goes into that. It is so necessary and if you, if you bypass it, if you act like this generation, you're going to jump into things too soon and you're going to crash and you're going to burn. And the older people, they're all going to see it coming. Well, they should warn me. There's no warning, the proud fool. So you know what we're doing tonight? We're up here talking to all of you before you're there. We're not going to try to help the proud fools out there, but we're all going to try to help everyone here. Learn from them. Watch what's going to happen. Watch how they crash and burn. Watch how bad this is going to end for them because that could be you if you get lifted up with pride. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the faithfulness of everyone here. And Lord, we thank you for all.